You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today I'm talking with Benjamin about a very fundamental principle you absolutely should be aware about, the bias variance trade-off. So stay tuned and now the music. Have you already signed up for the free webinar that is happening this week on February 17th? No? Then head over to theeffectivestatistician.com now and sign up for this webinar to improve your presentation skills. Presentation skills are so, so, so important. And unfortunately, I see far too many really poor presentations. When at the last um, PSI conference, we were rating all the different um, presentations I really realized, and I also got the feedback from the other raters, there are far too many really poor uh, presentations. Although the PSI conference is actually one where, on average, the presentations are much better than compared to most of the other conferences. But still, there's lots of room for improvement. So stand out from the crowd and impress your colleagues, impress your supervisor. But most importantly, be of service to your audience by becoming a better presenter. So sign up for this free webinar where you'll also learn about our upcoming leadership program. So head over to theeffectivestatistician.com and sign up now. Welcome to another episode. This time it's Benjamin and myself. And today we have statistical topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I am not sure if I like it so much. I do not feel comfortable with this since I haven't touched it so far, at least not in with, with the setting. So I'm really, you know, curious to learn a little bit more about the bias variance trade-off. Yeah, it's actually a very, very interesting statistical mathematical principle. Once I learned about it, I understood a lot of problems within statistics because you could see the, the pattern and then you see that it applies in many, many different areas uh, of statistics, e especially exploratory statistics or whenever you have, you know, any models that you want to fit or things like this. Uh, it doesn't apply so much if you have, let's say, a pre-specified test or something like this, unless you want to kind of have some model specification and model adjustment or model fitting in it. But usually for, you know, you determine your factors and then sets it. But in the kind of, whenever you have have some freedom in choosing your model, yeah, then this principle applies. It's really interesting. When I was, you know, I learned it from a stats book, of course, but uh, actually the elements of statistical learning, uh, which is one of my, my favorite books. But for the, for the preparation of this episode, I looked into the Wikipedia 
uh, definition. That's actually quite good. So we have it linked also in the show notes. Oh, of course, you can just go to Wikipedia and search for <laughs> bias variance trade-off. But let's dive a little bit into what it means. So, but let's kind of dissect the different things. So first, bias. What is bias? Bias is whenever the estimate that you have to, to uh, estimate something yeah, is different from what you want to estimate, so to say, in, in let's say, in, um, yeah, in plain language. Yeah? Or in mathematical terms, the expectation of your estimate is, isn't equal to the, to the model parameter that you want to estimate. Yeah. So a nice kind of picture for it is if you have a target, yeah, uh, like, you know, a target that you shoot on with your gun or whatever. Yeah. So these different rings you can imagine. Yeah. And you have bullseye in the middle and then, you know, the, you have the different rings around it and you shoot with your gun or your bow or whatever on it. And or you throw a ball, which is maybe <laughs> not as militaristic. Yeah, no, 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 you, no <laughs> If you if you're always a little bit off a bull's eye, yeah, that means you you have a bias, and the variability describes how much kind of you divert from you know the points that you're already. Uh, actually targeting yeah so so you can think about it if you have a lot of variability yeah then your shoots are all over the place and if you have a very little variability then it's in a very very small area where all your shoots are and bias is when you know even though you're very very precise you're always off a little bit yeah and if you're unbiased, yeah, on average, you're always kind of in the middle, but maybe you're spread quite around the middle, yeah? And what this bias trade-off now means is that in principle, you can't achieve hitting in the middle with high precision, yeah? So basically, you always choose between even you have, you know, very high precision, so so. All your shoots are within, you know, a very, very small area, but then you're always off target somehow, yeah? Or you're more and more on target on average, but you get more and more spread. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's, a it's, a it's a nice picture. I mean, that obviously says that, that the, the bias variance trade-off doesn't exist in sports, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> It does exist. It's, I I had the you know the the phrase, and I know that's in the context of machine learning. So you know where when you try to let's say um, you know try to f find a um, a specific matter, and you know the more you know it's the same. It's basically you know the more you aim for the matter, you know the you know the stronger the bias of a certain like aspect is that you that you're bringing in there. You know the the higher the you know the variance gets, so the mm -hmm. you know the, the the you know meeting this target or meeting this or finding this uh, pattern 
is like um you know it's a, it's a it's a trade off against you know what the the less you you give as a buy in or the less you use as a buy in uh, um you know the 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 easier you find it but you know there are also other ways you know other other pattern you could find so you don't specialize into one so it's kind of a mixture between uh, the bias and variance so that's where where i heard the you know, at least it's my understanding of what i heard at that time about machine learning but that that also also on the other side is you know what you just said about the you know when you dig try to model data so it's more really in the exploratory field of um, statistics where you dig into data and look look into this where where this bias um, variance trade off really comes in place yeah it's also associated with over and underfitting yeah and and we'll see that when we now go into the three examples that we want to dig uh, into here yeah so the first is you do subgroup analysis yeah and let's say you have two different interventions yeah like in uh, pharmacology you have treatment a and treatment b and now you want to understand which of the subgroup of your population has the biggest treatment difference for these yeah and you start with let's say the on average you have a treatment difference of let's say two points on whatever scale yeah and then you dig into it and you for for this you know on average yeah for every, all the population of course you know you have the smallest variability of the treatment effect yeah because you have all your sample uh, to describe this treatment effect but of course for any given patient that you can think of yeah you have quite a big a bias here because you don't utilize any of the information of this patient so the age the gender the severity of the treatment or any other factors that describes this patient yeah now on the other hand now you can use these kind of factors like age severity gender whatsoever to dig more and more into the patient characteristics yeah and then the better and better you describe in terms of the precisions or in terms of you know the bias what exactly this patient will um, will experience yeah so the actual treatment effect for a given patient it gets more and more unbiased but of course you then have less and less patients that are you know that have these characteristics so for a given patients then you know the variability of of the treatment estimate increases yeah like you have let's say you'll first look into by gender yeah and maybe only 30% of your patients are female and then you know you already have lost 70% of your sample and then maybe you only want to look into older patients than 60 years then you have already instead of 30% only 10% and then you only want to look into those with high severity and then you are left with maybe 2% of the sample yeah now you have you know you're targeting yeah quite nicely into bullseye 
but you only have two percent of the sample to actually uh, understand yes. your variability. Yeah. So and and that's uh, that's a common problem. What is the typical way of getting around? I mean, usually when I remember doing these exercises on you know on exploratory. Um, yeah, analysis maybe maybe even too tough. It's just you know like digging into the data thing. It it often kind of was kind of a you know over the thumb estimate of you know we now have ten patients less. Does make you know what what is the what is the um, you know meaning of of a subgroup of ten? And then you can kind of sometimes you say well you know just do it descriptively because you know we can't do really anything about it. So what is is there any is there any let's say systematic or more systematic way of measuring this and giving advice and how to handle this because obviously it's a problem that we all know it's just that um you know um, a different way of naming it but also maybe there's a systematic approach behind it that we could uh, you know provide to the to the statisticians out there i, I think there's no clear easy answer to this Yeah, because um, it always depends on what your overall question is and on what you truly want to get to. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you really don't care about the precision. Yeah, in, in some statistical applications, having something that is unbiased is much more important. Yeah, and then you tend to have, you know, much more kind of granular things. Um, on the other hand, sometimes, you know, uh, the precision is really the biggest importance. Mm. Yeah? Let's say for a phase three study, yeah, where you have, uh, you want to get a, a FDA approval or an email approval and you want to show the priority. And there maybe, you know, you really kind of minimizing your variability Is, is is the biggest goal. And so therefore you want to, you know, you accept that, you know, for, for any given patient, you're a little bit off, but at least you can show that on average for all patients, this works. Yeah. So you're not so much uh, maybe interested in, you know, a specific treatment effect for a given patient. Um so I think it, it's not really a right or wrong. It always depends on the uh, business environment. Yeah. Also, you know, there may be different, you know, consequences uh, associated. Yeah. So, so um, think of, let's say, um, a diagnostic test. Yeah. Where you also have different things. Let's say if, if you're false positive, Yeah, that may have different consequences to being false negative. Yeah, mm. and here it's the same. Yeah, so so it, it really depends on what are the associated consequences of over or underfitting. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean that is that is basically the the way that you usually you know approached um, a subgroup. Anyhow, it's just that you know I'm wondering if there has been some more systematic approach to it. Um, okay, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I actually we'll think it's, yeah, it's 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 just not well for a, for a very specific scenario. You can probably come up with something optimal. Yeah. But it really always de depends on the different yeah. scenarios. Yeah. No, that's what I was afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that's 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 well, that's the beauty about statistics. You know, very very often it's about understanding the problem very very deeply, and then you can come up with a rather good answer. But it's really difficult to have something like a cookbook approach to this hugely. So um, yeah, but that's the art of, yeah, of statistics. It is, <laughs> and that's why it is so special. Um, That's why I love it. Exactly. Okay, let's go to um, example number two, cluster analysis. When you do cluster analysis, the problem always is, well, one of the problems is use finding your metrics that's the, for, for how you define the clusters. And we have actually done in podcast episodes about cluster analysis. So <laughs> if you want to dig into this, then just go back a couple of episodes, actually quite some episodes, I guess, to search for the cluster one. So the problem when you have actually defined your uh, metric is that how many clusters do you want to have? Yeah, And if you have these hierarchically clustering, or actually for any clustering algorithm, you need to decide what is the optimal number of clusters. And here, like with the subgroups again, you can see that if you have just one cluster, yeah, you have all your sample, yeah, and then any parameters that you estimate within this has a very, very low variability, also pretty a very good precision. So let's say you want to estimate in this sample, don't know, some, some mean or proportion or something like this within the overall cluster. Uh, and the biggest cluster is everybody, yeah? Then, you know, that is, that is uh, the biggest uh, precision. But then if you go into these different clusters and then, you know, do these kind of things again, you can see that, okay, now any parameters that you estimate within there, yeah, uh, you will see that it becomes more and more specific for the population you're targeting or for the um, underlying subjects or the underlying whatsoever units you're looking into. But of course, you can only estimate within this cluster, yeah. And so the more granular you get to the clusters, you know, up to the point that in each cluster there's only one subject. <laughs> and, in the you extreme, know, yeah. You, you have maximum in, uh, unbiasedness, yeah? But of course, also maximum variability because you have only one, one patient left or one subject left that yeah. you can uh, have your estimates on, yeah? And so there's a variability is this basically infinity yeah so yeah yeah and that is that is again i mean without without this um you know this name nice name it's just really something that we all know when working with cluster analysis you know if you over you know if you over overdo the clustering it's just you know it's a it's a fancy result but not useful um and and therefore you know we have to find a balance again and how to You know how to use, make use of the clusters, and deep dive into or like you know more and more specifying it. 
um, rather than just you know starting from square one with all or you know to square whatever it is, then to with with the sample size of n equals one at the end. So it's not helpful either. So we have to find a balance um, and trade off you know bias against variance. It's the yeah yeah. And here you now also see kind of the the wording in terms of over and underfitting. Yeah. So if you have overfit, then you know you have not enough patients anymore within these clusters. And then of course, you know, whenever you get a you know a, a patient that hasn't been in the sample, yeah, in your in your training set, you can't really fit it because you know you'll always be kind of off yeah because you're overfitted yeah with, with so so you have even basically modeled all the noise that is in the data yeah and that is an overfitting whereas underfitting is you know you don't have enough and so you're just you know always off in terms of your bias um yeah. Last example is regression analysis. Yeah, so you let's say you have here a linear regression. Yeah, and now you put the uh, different um, factors in it. Yeah, mm -hmm. so uh, additional covariates, and these can be categorical or you know continuous covariates or you know different interactions of these covariates and, and so on. You know, you can be become more and more sophisticated in terms of your model and you can, you know, add more and more parameters in there and, you know, polynomials of your parameters and whatsoever. You can get more and more sophisticated, but you'll see that, of course, the degrees of freedom that you have, you know, decrease more and more for these different parameter estimates. And so the um, the variability of the different parameter estimates increases more and more. Yeah, the more you add these. Of course, if you have a very very high sample size, yeah, at the beginning it doesn't matter so much. Yeah, whether you have one, two, three, or four uh, parameters in there. But if you get really to very, very many parameters. And you have kind of these machine learning algorithms that look into all kinds of interactions for the different parameters and maybe, you know, polynomials of that and all kinds of different um, combinations. You can very, very easily end up with hundreds or thousands or millions of parameters yeah. in these models. Yeah. And there you get then into the danger of of overfitting yeah that's that's a very very good example as well i think regression analysis and the way of um you know working with it is you know well known to every one of us and and to really kind of get an estimate or maybe like a systematic way of approaching or thinking considering it in, in this different in this balance is is quite is is quite nice and uh and actually when you know when you know when we when I looked into the Wikipedia article, um, there was a quite nice, um, you know, uh, wording which said, well, 
explanation is basically, you know, something which which I think you know everyone should still consider. The, the trade-off is um, universal. It says it's been shown that a model that is asymptomatically unbiased must have an unbounded variance, and that is that is just you know just think about it it's really that you know if you if you you know because we always try to fit the you know find the best model it's just you know there is no best model because you know if you have one fitted best it's just you know a complete opposite with the other one so it's always a balance between two yeah yeah it's the some some people also call it the curse of dimensionality yeah so, so you know so, so more parameters you put in yeah you, so, so more problems uh, you get yeah okay thanks so much that was a, a shorter episode but on a very very uh, important topic and I hope you get an understanding of next time when you fit a model or do a cluster analysis or you do subgroup analysis or any kind of these you know Uh, models where you select the number of parameters or whatsoever, you're conscious about what kind of trade-off you're going in there. And what do you really want to achieve? Do you want to have something that is uh, very good in terms of bias or something that is very good in terms of precision and that um, you need to choose here? Very good. Then have a nice day, everyone. <laughs> I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today and learn so much from the video-on-demand content, the free registration to all the PSI webinars, and much, much more. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org and learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today.